A reading from John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. George Soros, you may have heard his name in the uh, list of some of the richest people in the world. He survived uh, the Nazi occupation of Hungary. His dad at one point saved his life by paying off a government official. Soros made it to London in 1947. He uh, eventually went to the London School of Economics where he took a degree and he joined a merchant bank and in due course became one of the most famous and the most wealthy investors in the world. Larry Ellison, born in the slums of the Lower East Side, New York City, during the Second World War. When he was just very little, he had pneumonia, and his family sent him off to live with relatives in Chicago, thinking that that would be a a help to his health. He educated himself. He then went from there to join a company which uh, became Oracle, of which he became the CEO, and he earned a fortune in that particular role. Lewis Hamilton, uh, born in Stevenage, as many people know, and uh, uh, his mum and dad separated when Lewis was two, so he lived with his mum and his two uh, half-sisters until he was 12, and from then on he lived with his dad. Lewis was bullied at school and at his first racing club, karting club. And so at the age of five, he learned karate to defend himself. 
support his son, his dad, Anthony. And if you follow F1, you'll see him in the pit lane uh, at pretty much all the races. But uh, in order, in those early days, to support Lewis, Anthony would often have four jobs on the go at the same time. They included putting up the boards for estate agents, washing dishes, uh, acting as a double glazing salesman, as well as his main job with an IT company. Well, Lewis has now won his seventh world championship. I think it's a record of 94 career wins, 98 pole positions, 164 podium finishes, and he may become Sports Personality of the Year for the second time this evening. If you've only just remembered that, then, ooh, yes, it might be a bit tight. There's always iPlayer. Anyway, we can see how we go. But uh, um, now, what have their stories got to do with Christmas? George Soros, Larry Ellison, Lewis Hamilton, and Jesus Christ, they all share a very unpromising start to life. And this evening I want to um, just speak from one of our readings, the one from Luke chapter 1 and verses 26 to 38. And I simply want to say this, Christmas mum and son. We're just going to simply thinking about the Christmas mum, the Christmas son. And we're going to be thinking about an extraordinary mum and an eternal son. But first of all, this extraordinary mum. Now, we're all very familiar, aren't we, with birth announcements. Here are two. I've I've, uh, torn out a little bit of yesterday's newspaper. So here's one from yesterday. Garrett, on the 8th of December 2020, to Emily and Luke, a son, Theodore David, brother to Imogen Lyra. And also Turnbull, on the 15th of December 2020, to Martha and Gordon, a daughter, Sybil Elspeth, sister to Edith Rose. So many congratulations to the Garrett and the Turnbull families. And one of the things that seems to me that every single birth announcement that I've ever, I've ever, ever come across, apart from one, is that they come after the birth. And the second thing is that they're usually made by the mum and dad. Well, here this evening, we're looking at a birth announcement, which not only was made before the birth, it was actually made before the conception. And it wasn't made to the mum and dad, it was given to the mum. It wasn't made by the mum and dad, it was given to the mum, to Mary. So clearly, there's something um, at least out of the ordinary going on here, but let's look at it a little bit more. Because in many ways, Mary was just a, an ordinary, ordinary soul, really very ordinary. Uh, ancient documents suggest she was quite probably a teenager. In fact, I came across one uh, um, entitled The History of Joseph the Carpenter, which claims boldly that Mary was 12. 12. And, uh, and apart from just being a young girl, she didn't really live anywhere special. Um, Nazareth was kind of halfway to everywhere and in the middle of nowhere. So that uh, you know, it wasn't one of the big cities up, up, up north or one of the important places like Jerusalem down south. It was the middle of nowhere. I've always rather thought of it a bit like 
Toddington service area on the M1. Uh, I used to live near Toddington. It's, uh, the village itself is quite nice. Not so keen on the service area. Um, but if you, if you think of Nazareth being a bit like a, a service area, but without the motorway, I suppose, in those days. But as someone said, Mary was a nobody from nothing village in the middle of nowhere. But Mary was about to become the most famous mum in all human history. The most famous mum in all human history. As God sends the archangel, Gabriel, with a message. Oh, and by the way, when, when, when you read this, Luke, who wrote, the, who wrote this account, he wants people to be clear about the facts of what happened. So he's carefully researched all this. And for instance, one of the things Luke wants to get across is that Mary was a virgin. Um, so he actually says, just near the beginning of our pas- passage, um, the uh, angel, archangel Gabriel went to Nazareth to a town in Galilee to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Uh, and then a little bit later on, he, uh, he then records this. How then will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I may virgin. So he's he's really impressing here, getting us to be clear that Mary was in fact a virgin. And uh, so there's no sex involved in Jesus' conception. A miracle here is being announced. And Gabriel, the archangel, he turns up and he greets Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now, some folks um, think that actually it's a better translation would be Hail Mary, full of grace, meaning that, that Mary is so full of grace she overflows and then she dispenses grace to other people. Unfortunately, well actually it's a good thing, that's not actually what it's saying. That's not the translation. Uh, actually, it, it accurately translates it. It is what it says here. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. Mary was the recipient of God's grace. She received favour from God. Uh, as uh, uh, Martin Luther, a guy who lived, what, 500 odd years ago now, he wrote this about it. No woman has ever lived on earth to whom God has shown such grace. You, Mary are the crown of them all. So what is this news that Mary hears? What is this grace that Mary is given? He says this, Mary, I know you're a virgin, and you will remain a virgin for a while yet, but even so, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a son, supernaturally. You're going to give birth to the Saviour, and your son, Mary, will be the son of God, is the son of God, the Messiah. And he will grow in your womb. You will be his mum, but Joseph will not be his biological father. God will do this through the Holy Spirit. And uh, Gabriel says this, um, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, some people say that's actually got overtones of some kind of sexual encounter. Not a bit of it. Not a bit of it. There's no sexual overtones whatsoever. He's simply talking about the Holy Spirit's creative power in Mary's womb. Now, if you were Mary, how would you react to, some, to, that, uh, to this announcement. I think it's quite likely you might, you, might, you might think, oh yeah, right, okay. Or, no way. Or, 
couldn't you possibly have chosen someone else? Or can you give me a chance to have a think about it? Or um, uh, why has it got to be me? Or do you think I could talk to my mum first? Uh, and so on. But no, in so many ways, Mary, a very ordinary girl from Nowhereville, and, uh, uh, and she's told the most extraordinary news. Has anyone ever been told anything remotely approaching what Mary was told that day. I mean, maybe you could imagine, say, being told, oh, by the way, you've just got five A stars in your A levels. Staggering news, wonderful news. Or you could imagine perhaps uh, receiving a letter which said, uh, oh, by the way, you have an aunt which you didn't know you had. She was uh, quite a distant aunt, but uh, she lived nevertheless. And, and she died six months ago and she's left you 50 million. And so you might just imagine having, uh, receiving a letter like that. Or, um, or how about this? 30th of January, 2014, there were two locals walking on the beach at Ebon Atoll, that's in the Pacific. It's northwest of Papua New Guinea. It's um, uh, quite near, in inverted commas, the Marshall Islands. And they found a man on the beach who was very thin. He had a very impressive, luxuriant beard. Um, and he was stark naked. And he was clutching a knife. And he was shouting in Spanish. His name... It's Jose Salvador Alvarenga. There he is. And he had just come ashore on that boat. And we're told that he had been lost at sea for 438 days. Well over a year. Apparently he'd been, he was Mexican and he'd been caught in a storm off the Mexican coast but the, uh, the winds and the currents of some, uh, uh, took him and his friend in the boat, a guy called Ezekiel and uh, just swept him out and then they kept going across the Pacific and uh, after about four months Ezekiel died but Jose survived and he ate uh, uh, fish, turtles, seabirds, sharks and he managed to drink rainwater, which he collected in the bottom of the boat. And then he landed on Ebon Atoll. Extraordinary story. Now, imagine, just imagine for a moment, would you, that you're, uh, you're Jose's um, wife, or parents, or brothers and sister. And you'd be thinking, wouldn't you, well, it's been a year, a year and three, four, four three months, whatever it would be. And uh, since... Uh, uh, I mean, he got caught in that storm. He must have perished on that day. Um, and maybe you've had some kind of a funeral. And now you're looking to, to get on with life. And then someone comes to tell you that he's turned up across the other side of the Pacific. And then he phones you up. And it really is him. It really, really is him. But this evening, I want to say that even that news... Even that astonishing news from Jose Salvador Alvarenga, uh, when you compare it with what Mary was told, even that news just fades into its significance. You're pregnant, Mary. You're going to have a boy. He will be the saviour, the son of God, the Messiah. And it's going to happen without you sleeping with anyone. 
And, and Mary accepts it. She's ex- an extraordinary mum. And uh, uh, we're told here in this passage, if, you, if you've got a Bible there, for instance, Mary was greatly troubled his, at these words, not disbelieving, but just astonished and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. That's when Gabriel arrives. And then uh, in verse 34, towards the end, or in the middle there, it says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She's just one, she's no doubt that it's going to happen. She just can't quite comprehend it. And you can understand that. It's extraordinary. Just extraordinary. The acceptance you see there in verse 38, for instance. Mary, humble, receptive, contemplative, um, trusting in her heart. She's just been told the biggest bit of news anyone has ever been told in the history of the earth, seems to me. She's trying to work it out and think it through. That she's going to become the most famous mum in all of history. An ordinary and yet a simply extraordinary mum. And for us, as we consider the Christmas story again this year in these very strange and could be really quite difficult circumstances for us, Mary's humility, her trust, her acceptance, her thoughtfulness, her pondering, they're a great example for us all to think through these claims and this extraordinary story once more. And you may be a bit sceptical about it. You may be wondering why uh, uh, your friend is so keen on all this. Um, You may be here in the building, perhaps, I don't know, um, perhaps slightly under duress tonight. Um, Maybe you don't believe a word I've said. Or maybe you're thinking, actually the words of those carols and the words of the readings, one or two things that I've heard now, are just beginning to drop into place. Come to Christmas with humility, with trust, with acceptance, with thoughtfulness. And why not make a commitment to ponder what we're being told? So a Christmas mum and son, extraordinary mum, and also, far more briefly, the eternal son. So what about this baby boy? If you've got the Bible, it's uh, verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We as as a society, we're getting really good, aren't we, about, uh, uh, about dreaming up um, wonderful names for our children. I, I wonder if the, if the trend actually began with um, Frank Zappa, because he named his three children, maybe he's had more since, but, uh, um, but Diva Muffin, Dweezil, and then the last one I'm particularly drawn to, Moon Unit. And uh, um, I think that's, it's all really rather impressive, isn't it? Um, I have to say, I've never come across anyone in Europe who calls their son Jesus. It's as if uh, we have Joshua's, that's the Old Testament version of it, but but not Jesus. It seems that that, the the name Jesus is kind of like holy ground. It's a kind of sacred name. And it means saviour. Jesus is the eternal son who is our 
saviour. He came to save his people from their sins, from our rebellion against God. He was God coming to give himself as our saviour for our salvation. He was God in the flesh. As someone wrote, he who made man was made man. If ever the divine appeared on earth, it was in the person of Christ, who died for us was raised from the dead. And I think there's a really good question at Christmas time to ask. At Christmas time we rightly think of a baby. Baby in arms. Baby in a manger. But I think there's a really good Christmas question to ask ourselves this. Where do you think he is now? Because he's not still in the manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Where is this Jesus Now. And Mary was told, before he was even conceived, that he would have a throne and he would have a kingdom. We read that just uh, just there in verse 33. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And just before that, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And this little baby Jesus totally dependent on his mum as he was born is now sitting on a throne as the ruler of the universe a kingdom and a reign that will never end and Mary was told this before she even got pregnant extraordinary the eternal son coming to this earth to be our saviour coming to this earth as a newborn baby coming to this earth through a miraculous conception in the womb of a girl who maybe wasn't even yet a teenager she was an extraordinary mum and the baby that she bore was the eternal son Christmas mum and son extraordinary mum and eternal son which is why Christmas is so special this year different this year and perhaps especially after the news last night difficult I know there were people in this building now who were in tears last night uh, when they heard about the, uh, the changes to um, changes to Christmas and the uh, reduction of the Christmas bubble time from five days down to the one um, maybe we can't see all our family and maybe it all feels not quite so good as normal. But the message of Christmas, the news of Christmas, what we have to celebrate at Christmas is exactly the same. That has not changed. And the wonderful news of Christmas, of God becoming a human being, coming to this earth to be our saviour, is still exactly the same as it ever was. Christmas is still about something that happened once in human history. Christmas mum and son extraordinary mum eternal son what to do? what to do? well uh, for a start there are some uh, books and, and uh, 
uh, little leaflets and things uh, at the back. So, for instance, on the 14th of January, we're starting a seven-week course, Christianity Explored. To find out more, you might want to sign up for that. We'll do it on Zoom. I very much doubt we're going to be able to get together physically, but we'll do that on Zoom. Seven weeks, uh, Thursday evenings, and there's a little leaflet about that and anything that you might pick up. These have all been sanitised. They're separate, so please don't kind of pour them all. But if you would like to take one, they're entirely free. There's a Luke's Gospel, where the passage from tonight has come from uh, and both of these have got these little things about Christianity explored also on the table at the back there is a there's a separate table here in the building we're selling uh, uh, Ian Barclay member of the church family here his latest book and uh, that's a fiver and uh, if you're watching online watching at home you can get any of these by popping into the church uh, this week gladly give you one of these they'll be outside just come in and pick one up don't even have to go into the office Uh, or uh, if you'd like to buy Ian's book uh, buy half a dozen, give them out to everyone this Christmas time. Last minute Christmas present problems, Ian's Barclays book, that's the one. So, uh, um, so there are things. Um, so why not, find it, why, not, why not commit to find out more? Why not come on Christianity Explored? Why not, say, read um, the, uh, the Best Christmas Ever little booklet here, or the Luke's Gospel? Uh, why, not, why not say, over Christmas time, I'm going to read those, and so on. Or you could pray, and you could say to Jesus... Please help me to find out more about you and about the truth of Christmas. Or you could pray and you could say to him this Christmas time, please be to me what your name says, my saviour. And you could start that new life tonight over this Christmas time. Please be to me what your name says, my saviour. Just as we finish, I'd just like to read this thing, which I, uh, this thing. It's a little uh, description of Jesus, which I have come across just recently. More than 2,000 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. He lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. He did not travel extensively. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived. That was during his exile in childhood. As a refugee, he possessed neither wealth nor influence. His relatives were inconspicuous and had neither training nor formal education. In infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the waves as if they were pavements, and he hushed the sea to sleep. I'm just going to blow out a candle before it sets the Christmas decoration on fire. Now we'll get back to this. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his service. He never wrote a book. And yet, all the libraries of the country could not hold the books that had been written about him. He never wrote a song. And yet, he has furnished the theme of more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students. He never marshaled an army, nor drafted a soldier, nor fired a gun, and yet no leader has ever had more volunteers who have, under his orders, made more rebels stack arms and surrender without a shot fired. 
He never practiced psychiatry. And yet he has healed more broken hearts than all the doctors far and near. Once each week, multitudes wend their way to worshipping assemblies to pay homage and respect to him. The names of the past proud statesmen of Greece and Rome have come and gone. The names of the past scientists, philosophers and theologians have come and gone. But the name of this man abounds more and more. Though time has spread more than 2,000 years between people of this generation and the scene of his crucifixion, yet he still lives. Herod could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. He began earthly life in a humble stable, but now he stands forth upon the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed by God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by devils as the living Jesus Christ Lord and Saviour our Emmanuel